You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. In these episodes, our presenter deals with the impact of this virus on the general population and considers the economic and long-term effect it may have on societies across the globe. COVID-19, what next? This is the third in, in, in a sequence of talks that have, have occurred here. And I'm going to start with the um, standard Christadelphian position. But we as Christadelphians believe that the entire scripture, the, the Holy Bible that is sold on bookshelves, um, that we can very often see in parents' homes and are passed down generation to generation. We believe that the Bible's claim is factual. And the Bible says that all scripture is breathed out or inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, training in righteousness, for a purpose, so that the man of God, the godly person, is complete and fully equipped, fully capable, has all the tools necessary to do good works, to do the works of the Lord God as set out in the scriptures. So that's our starting point. Now, I'm not going to talk about scripture to start with because I've been asked to talk about COVID. And, and I just want to give a few introductory comments that, so far as I see it, lead up to some logical biblical teaching. These are figures from today. So, the last 24 hours, there were 373,000 new COVID cases in the world. Uh, and overall, as a running total, 260 million people have been infected. And over 5.2 million people have died purely from COVID-19. Now, in all probability, those, those figures are a very absolute minimum because there are many countries where they can't record test what people died of at the beginning of the pandemic many people were not tested but died from it so this is a disease and, and you can see from the map that is truly global and has affected a huge number of people if you think about 5.2 million people's families the people who are related, many, many people in this world have been directly touched by the disease. That's to ignore the 260 million plus people who have had the disease and in some way have recovered. It's always useful to know what we're talking about. When we're talking about a pandemic, what does it mean? But a pandemic is something, and I'll take odds at what's on the screen there, it's prevalent over the whole world. There was a lot of argument at the beginning about what a pandemic was and was COVID-19 a pandemic but the, the World Health Organization had no worries about it being both global and a disease. So, so it is a disease that affected the world. Now here we can see that the WHO has um, it, it's plotted how many daily cases there are and you can see Back in August, there were about 680,000 people every day were catching corona. At the moment, that figure's a lot lower. So that's a huge number of people 
and, and we can see that the disease comes in, in waves and you can see where that trend is going now and, and the general medical community are concerned that as we go into winter it, it will become more prevalent but then all of a sudden this weekend we have this panic about a, a disease which has been sort of identified by the South African scientific community uh, and we're now on to Omicron uh, and the World Health Organization have directly warned immediately that this poses a very high risk. It's not to say that it will be but, but they're very very concerned. It, it, it appears to be very transmissible and the more a disease is transmitted the more opportunity for different variations that can cause more problems. So people are really concerned. We saw the growing numbers uh, as we go into maybe another wave. We, we have a new variant and there is a great deal of concern. Automatically, the, even the UK government has put mandatory mask wearing on, on public transport at, and in shops again. So. There's a concern and the general population or the bulk of the general population reacts to it. But I said there were 5 million deaths and deaths now are, are being managed better. The, the deaths have gone up and down. However, at the moment, I, I think the figures are about just under 5,000. And that's because mankind has been able to identify a vaccine so people have a degree of immunity that has been given so the impact that was there right at the beginning has been lessened for those who have been vaccinated but as is the way with the world there is now a stubborn amount of people in the western western world here in the uk and very vocally in the us of a and and elsewhere across the eu you you see protests, uh, and we're familiar with this phrase about anti-vaxxers, people who don't want to have their human rights stood on because somebody else is telling them they must have this. So again, the general community are concerned because if you have a, a, a stubborn proportion of the population who won't be vaccinated, it's highly likely that as these new variants come and as they are more transmissible we will have a sink in the population where that transmission carries on. So that's very easy to talk about. We've talked about the personal impact of the deaths uh, and the huge number of people across the globe who have been touched. But there are other impacts, not health impacts or not directly health impacts, this was lifted from the BBC website and it compares 2019 with 2020. We haven't finished 2021 quite yet. And what that's showing is that the, the red dots are, are, are the um, unemployment figures for 2019. The, the grey dots are, are the same figures for the end of 2030. And you can see that as the, as, as the pandemic hit at the end of 2019 and going into 2020, a huge number of people are suddenly unemployed. The, the economy was hit very, very hard. Now these figures obviously re relate to westernised countries where figures and data is, is much more accurate and, and readily available. 
But again, the obvious one, uh, the USA, where, where they had unemployment at 3.7% and they go up to 8.9%. That's possibly because they've got very weak labour laws, but also they were very hard hit. And the economic impact makes a huge problem for a huge number of families. And in its own way, where there is unemployment, then that brings another sequence of health problems as well, related to it. Poor income, poor diet, you know, concern, anxiety, stress, dip I don't need to list it all. And, and carrying on with this sort of global mapping, here you can see that there's, there's countries coloured in, and the bottom line is showing that GDP, the gross domestic product, dropped. There are um, a huge volume of the countries on that map, and they're all in negative territory. And that means their economy was in a recession. And, and that's figures, again, for the end of 2020. And I think the only area that's vaguely um, meaningful is China, which had growth of about 2.5%. But you can see the UK and, and Europe very hard hit. And we understood that. We lived through it. And governments have done things to try and support the economy, and that means that that country now has a huge amount of debt related to, to, to paying furlough, for instance, and other such things. Now, for me, COVID 19 is a bit more personal. I lost my father right at the beginning of the pandemic. We're 99% sure it was COVID. He was in a nursing home. He'd got a temperature of 104 for about three days. But it was so early in the pandemic that he wasn't tested. Two other people in the rooms next door to him both died and they were taken to the hospital and they were tested and positive. Dad was at the end of his life. He was 86. But again, each family will have some measure of a direct contact like that. But we have people in the community here at Rugby. They've had COVID and to some extent recovered. And long COVID is it's a thing, it's serious, and it leaves a lasting impact. Whether it's because you're short of breath, maybe you still have a chesty cough, cardiac problems, unexpectedly. And then you've got just muscle pain, skeletal pain. Fatigue, sleeplessness. Uh, and then there's some stuff that is still being explored. Let's call it brain fog. And, and that's a lifted from the BBC, so it's not my name. Uh, and, and confusion. Covid is leaving a lasting footprint on the population today. And I guess that because we're so close to the pandemic and we're still going through it, that we don't even understand half of the impacts that are manifest. So where am I going with this? Well, there's an inequity about any disease. People are most likely to catch a disease if they are vulnerable. And the world is such that if you are wealthy and well provided for, you have a good diet, you have a nice big house with plenty of heating and ventilation, and separation from people around you, you're more likely to survive. But if you're poor uh, and you live in uh, a street of terraced houses with poor heating 
and a poor diet and, and very little room to set. That economy and, and that society is going to be more vulnerable. And that's just ch talking about the UK where we, we can understand that. We can look elsewhere. The, the, the demographic is such that young people and old people are more vulnerable. They, they may not have developed the immunity, or, or their bodies may be wearing out of immunity. Uh, and, and my father was an example of that, I would suggest. And then there's an inequity globally. All us Western countries have got well-advanced testing, well-advanced vaccinations. If you were to go to Cameroon, all the vaccinations have been taken by the top 1% and they haven't been passed to the rest. And the EU, the USA, are struggling to get vaccines available to the rest of the world. And I was listening to an interview yesterday on Radio 5 and they made it clear that I am as safe as the person who isn't vaccinated. And they made that clear on a global scale. If there's a whole nation here that haven't been vaccinated and they're still sharing the disease, well, I'm not safe. And it's interesting, isn't it? The globalisation of the economy and the world today. I watched the start of the pandemic from America. And then we're really surprised, aren't we? When a disease just hops around and around. South African variant, suddenly it's in the UK. Ironically, in Holland, they stopped all the aeroplanes and, and tested everybody who walked off those aeroplanes. 61 of 600 people were, were positive, but all of them were corralled and are being looked after. The typical government response has been, as it says here, that's an NHS poster. We must keep on protecting each other, and it's talking about washing our hands, wearing our face coverings, and making sure that we've got that space between us. We're familiar with it, we've lived through it. And I've just put that in bullets there. I've added vaccination on there, and I've added the fact that that space has been made more abundant immediately in lockdown, where we were told we're not to go out, we're not to go to work, you can only shop for essential things. And then isolation, if you test positive, and, and you have to test negative before you can go back into general circulation. That's the bit that made me look, that's on the NHS poster. Protecting each other, it, it's not just about me. I put a mask on and I'll be safe. I put a mask on, I make other people safe as well. And that's really important. Now, I've got to say, what does the Bible say? This is a Bible talk. It's, it's just setting the scene. Now we're going to just have a look. And I've looked at a few videos and so on and so forth. So there are a few facts on here which I've stolen. I haven't counted them myself. But... If we, if we start out here, the, the Mosaic law, the law that was given to Moses by God, that's what the Bible tells us, and don't forget, we believe the Bible is in the inspired word of God. And Moses was given these commandments and he had to give them to the, the children of Israel. And it was particularly relevant because the children of Israel were, well, they weren't living in a city or a nation or a land, they were wandering through a wilderness, maybe four million of them. All camping, 
all over the place, no public toilets, no running water. And God gave them some very specific instructions. And one third of those instructions related to what we could call public health. Um, so that's 213 out of 613. Now, we're going to look at a, a couple of references in a minute. We're going to open our Bibles. But the first one, I could tell you to look at Leviticus 13 now. Let's open our Bibles at Leviticus 13. We're look at, at the opening verses of this chapter. And to set the scene, I've put some facts on the screen there. Leprosy is a disease... It's a disease that results from transmission uh, through contact, but not just in a COVID sense where it can only be brief, but generally prolonged, not, not immediate. However, it can have some fairly substantive impacts. It can affect the, 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 the nervous system. That's not particularly visible, but then it can result in visible uh, situations lesions and swellings, skin complaints, and that's also evident in, in the face, the lungs and, and the eyes. And then death can result from it, but very often secondary effects, uh, secondary infections and so on. Now, what does the Bible tell us about leprosy? It tells us a great deal. And we're going to just pick up that, uh, I'm not going to read all the detail, because the detail is, to be honest, meaningless to me, but let's call them symptoms. So, verse 1 of Leviticus 13 tells us that the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man, and, and he shall present certain symptoms, obvious, on his flesh, he, he is to be taken to the priest Aaron, or, or, or to one of the other priests, his sons. And verse 3 tells us that the priest will inspect him. And, and he'll figure out what's going on according to a lot of things that are clear in verse 3. And then verse 4, there's a conditional if. If the symptoms are as presented by a bright spot, be white in the skin of his flesh, and in sight it's not deeper than the skin and the hair hasn't turned white, well, then there's some concern. This is not good. So the priest shall take this person and shut him up that he hath the plague seven days. So for seven days, this concern is going to be observed. The man's going to be put in isolation, self-containment, and then what? Seven days later, the priest, verse 5, shall look on him. And if the plague's in his sight, be it a stay, the plague spread not in the skin, well then the priest shall do the same thing again. Lock him up again. Seven more days. And verse 6, the priest shall look on him again the seventh day. So this is now the 14th day. And if there's been certain progression, the plague be dark, the plague spread not in the skin, well then, he's okay. He's clean. There's no problem. But if it is but a scab... It is a scab, but he's to go. He's got to wash himself thoroughly. It's quite clear there, but he's clean. Now, verse 7, If the scab spread much abroad in the skin after that he has seen, been seen of the priest, he's to go and see the priest again. Verse 8, If the priest sees that, behold, the scab spreads in the skin, 
well then he is unclean it's leprosy he's not healthy it's dangerous and, and when the plague of leprosy is in a man then he's brought unto the priest verse 9 and the priest checks and behold etc 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 it's an old leprosy in the skin of his flesh the priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall not shut him up he he is unclean and at this point we see that um if he is unclean well then he is to be sent out of the community let's go to verse 45 and verse 46 because there's lots of conditions there and i'm not taking you through verse by verse but verse 45 tells us that the leper in whom the plague is well his clothes shall be torn shall be rent his head shall be shaved he'll put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry unclean so everybody knows his condition visually and audibly and all the days wherein the plague is in him he, he is defiled he is unclean he shall dwell alone outside the camp shall his habitation be so we've got principles here that there's very careful scrutiny of the symptoms presented just as there are with covid now if there's concern that your lateral flow test has shown a positive well then you take a step don't you and the priest did the same thing i'm slightly concerned so i'm going to put him on his own in this room and i look at him seven days later and, and then if i'm still concerned i put him in the room again for seven days and then it's plus or minus because by then the disease has developed and you either can see that it's not a problem and, and he can be released after he's washed himself thoroughly or, or he's put outside, well away, lockdown, outside, and he is dealt with accordingly to ensure that the health of the general population within the community is preserved. And so that all makes a, a great deal of sense, and we can see where that goes. Now let's go, I, I think we're going to have a quick look at, at Leviticus chapter 15 as well. But we're just picking up at the beginning of that chapter, Again, we've got the Lord speaking to Moses and, and to Aaron, the priest. And he says, speak to the children of Israel. Same principle. I'm giving you instructions, Moses. You go and tell the people. This is how they are to behave. Speak to the children of Israel. Say to them, when any man has a running issue out of his flesh. Well, then it's quite straightforward. It's not like the complexity of, of um, leprosy. Well, then he is unclean. And, and this is his uncleanness, and it says that um, whether his flesh run with his issue, his flesh be stopped, etc., etc. So he is unclean. Verse 4, every bed whereon he lieth, well, that is also unclean. And where he sat, well, that's unclean. And whoever he touched in bed uh, shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and he is to be unclean until the even. So now we've got a different principle, uh, quite simple, of whether you're healthy or unhealthy, and the idea of washing, and washing everything that's been touched and come into contact, and at the same time, the person himself being washed. And so we can go through, and, and that principle is repeated throughout that chapter. And again, I'm not going to dwell on that, but a very simple biblical point is made. But what do we learn about all this? This is, this is all very well and good. Now, I'm going to take you to, to um, Martin Luther. So 
We've been talking about Moses, which is many years before the birth of Christ. Suddenly, we're going to 1500 AD. Now, this is interesting. I think it's a good quote. It was reported recently in the Washington Post, the American Journal. And quite simply, the bubonic plague, a much earlier pandemic. And, and this is ripping across Europe, and it has possibly a greater impact than COVID is having. And it reaches Wittenberg in Germany, where, where Luther is, and, and he says he's going to lead by example. He says, I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated. So I'm going to take myself out of general circulation so I don't catch something. And again, simple principle. Luther selflessly wanted to avoid infecting others as well as preserving his own self, causing their death through his negligence. So that goes back to the NHS warning about don't, don't cause um, or you can protect other people as well. And he saw this as something which was directly related to his Christian belief and his, the biblical teaching that we are looking at this evening. It's exactly the same words that Luther looked at then. And he said, see, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and it doesn't tempt God. Now, that's a really interesting point. Luther invoked the Bible's admonition in the book of, or the, the, the Bible's warning in the book of Leviticus that social distancing and quarantine are essential to prevent the spread of disease. Luther had learned this health principle from the law of Moses, the passage that we're reading in Leviticus. So, he said, we must do the same with this dangerous pestilence, the bubonic plague, and he wrote this. So, where did Luther get that from? Because science didn't know that at that point. In 1861, Louis Pasteur came up with something called germ theory, and, and you can read all about it on Wikipedia, and it tells you there that he, he identified that disease was spread by bacteria. That, that, that's how people fell ill. And there were diseases like malaria and cholera that could be treated because of his understanding. Whereas the magical sort of mis mystical approach to medicine before that had just been happy-go-lucky. Uh, the, the Egyptian doctors may drill a hole in your head and you may get better or, or you may die on the table. Um, the fact that they were doing it with a saw that may not have been washed or is irrelevant. Louis Pasteur came to that understanding in 1861. Yet the practices that Moses put in place with God's instruction for the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness 1500 plus years before the birth of Christ. So... The Bible, 3,500 years before the scientific community caught up with it. That's quite an astounding position. So, God's law that we believe is recorded accurately for us in these scriptures gave some very good medical guidance which has pretty much underpinned how governments and scientific communities instructing governments have advised us to behave during the COVID pandemic. That's very interesting. But what does the Bible say? This is where we're going now. Is it meaningful or is it just, we'll leave it there and it was very interesting, thank you. The Bible tells us some quite interesting things. 
This is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. Um, See, I've taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me. So we've understood that principle. That you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession. So these commandments that I've given you, well, they're for you to follow, not just walking through the wilderness, but when you go into the promised land that I am talking about and that I'm going to show you. He then says, keep them, do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples around you. Who, when they hear all these commandments, these statutes, well, they'll say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So they will see the wisdom of God in action. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? God is special. Whenever we call upon him, what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? So God's law is special. It set the Israelites apart from the nations around them. The nations around them could see the significance of that. Now, that related to something then. Moses is told something else. Chapter 7. Moses told the Israelites, or God told Moses to tell the Israelites, the Lord will take away from you all sickness, and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you know, will he inflict on you. Well, that's quite a promise. Because there's still disease. The Israelites had disease. Now, it's a promise that was conditional. Because the Israelites were meant to continually follow the law that God gave them. But continually they broke that law. And if we evoke some biblical vocabulary that's a principle called sin missing the mark failing to do what God told you to do because of that well God's protection wasn't quite there so there's a promise there but God doesn't make promises for nothing the Lord will take away from you all sickness now let's go to Malachi the last chapter of the last book in the Old Testament. So we're going to pick up at verse 2, I think, is, is a good place to start. Unto you that fear my name, so to the people who fear and respect God's, God's name, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. So, that's interesting. So for the people who respond to God's commandments and respect God, well... <coughs> The son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And, and you'll go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. You'll be nurtured in that situation. And 
having come to maturity, you'll go out and do God's will. You'll put down, the, 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 tread down the wicked. The, the, there's going to be a process. And, and it's said that that will be in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. So God has got a calendar. And there is a date when something will happen. And at that point, the godly will overcome the ungodly. And there will be healing in his wings. Interesting. Healing is what we're talking about. Public health, illness, pandemic. But God's promised healing. Verse 1, for context, says, Behold, the day comes that shall, that shall burn as an oven. All the proud and all that do wickedly, that's the ungodly, well, they shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. It shall leave them neither root nor branch. And interestingly, in the book of prophecy of Isaiah, God promises that he will provide a branch who will grow and take on a certain role, which we'll talk about in a minute. So that's the situation. But if we look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, so just before, they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and that brought upon his name. So I'm deliberately bringing that to the fore because the Lord God knows and will remember those who responded to God's will and God's word. And verse 17, he says, They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. And then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. So that again sets the scene. And it begins to make it relevant because God's talked about healing and that healing is available to those who are godly and respond to his word. So I'm already beginning to think about, well, where do I want to put myself in that day? Because that phrase is used again in verse 17. It has some meaning. Now, that question, in that day, well, when will that day be? That's a question that is asked of Jesus in the New Testament. And we're going to Luke chapter 21 now. Well, the, the, the context comes in verses 5 and 6, because Jesus is talking about a certain situation. As some, of, some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, Jesus said, this, this temple that you can see, these things which you can see, behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that's actually quite a, a stunning statement. It, it, it was a political and, and a religious building at this point, the temple of Herod in Jerusalem. And their reaction is in verse 7. They asked him, saying, Master, when shall these things be? Or, Teacher, when will this happen? So that explains the, the slide heading. And Jesus gives some interesting responses. Verse 10. Then he says to his disciples, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences 
and fearful sights and great, great signs shall there be from heaven. So the, these symptoms or, or, or occurrences will herald the time when the Lord Jesus Christ is to return. Now, he goes on to say, but, but at this point you'll be persecuted for the being godly. Now, that makes me put COVID into a different context. Because then I see it as something that Jesus talked about, which would set the scene for the events that will result in that day that is mentioned in Malachi. And I'm going to say that that is when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. So let's look down the passage. We're going to look at chapter 25, uh, at verses 25 and 6. So there we see that there shall be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. Now that could mean, biblical language could mean literally sun, moon and stars. Or it could mean figuratively amongst the nations in the world around us. And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, concern, confusion, and the sea and the waves roaring. So quite clearly, upon the earth, distress of nations. Well, COVID has caused just that, hasn't it? The concern, the fact that I'm going to stop everybody coming into my country. Australia have done that very well. New Zealand the same. Uh, and then others saying, well, I'm not going to let you leave this country. So... Global travel has been hugely, hugely impacted. Men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That's meaningful, isn't it? So we've had pestilences heralding the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, distress in the nations men's hearts failing them for fear and then we start to think about what i said at the beginning about long covid and the anxiety and the confusion that can come from that the fact that so many people have been so badly affected but still live that continues to cause this distress and so we look at verses 27 and 28 then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draws nigh. So that is that day. So then, where do we go? I think we have to say, well, what does redemption look like? What does salvation, what's God talking about? Healing coming in his wings. Well, you can go away and read Isaiah 35. It's a phenomenal chapter. And it talks about, it prophesies what the kingdom of God will be like. And fundamental to that chapter, it makes it clear. There's a plea that strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who've got an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Then... The eye of the blind, it'll be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So we've talked about a world of sickness and disease. 
And we talked about it being a pandemic, filling the world. Now we're talking about being the world being full of people who are healthy, mentally and physically. And then right at the end of that chapter, the redeemed shall walk there. Those who are looking for the return of Christ, those who have been following the commandments of God, just as the Israelites were asked to follow the commandments of God in the wilderness and when they went into the promised land. And the ransomed of the Lord, those who've been saved, bought from a certain death, well, they shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So that's a world picture that isn't what I see today. I look back to the promise that Moses made to the Israelites that God would take all the diseases of the Egyptians away, but they broke their promise and they didn't keep their commands. And God's promise is still there for those who respond today. The question is, do we want to see what God expects of us and make a response, or do we just want to say, no, we'll leave it. I'll follow the government guidance. Uh, and to be honest, if we're going to look to the UK government for guidance, I think the scriptures provide a better statement. I'll leave you with words from Revelation chapter 21. And I think that we can sit and read those. And that's a description of what it will be like in the day of the Lord. Thank you very much. Now, I've got to say, what does the Bible say? This is a Bible talk. It's, it's just setting the scene. Now we're going to just have a look. And I've looked at a few videos and so on and so forth. So there are a few facts on here which I've stolen. I haven't counted them myself. But if we, if we start out here, the, the Mosaic law, the law that was given to Moses... By God, that's what the Bible tells us, and don't forget, we believe the Bible is in the inspired word of God. And Moses was given these commandments, and he had to give them to the, the children of Israel. And it was particularly relevant, because the children of Israel were, well, they weren't living in a city, or a nation, or a land. They were wandering through a wilderness, maybe four million of them. All camping, all over the place, no public toilets, no running water. And God gave them some very specific instructions. And one-third of those instructions related to what we could call public health. Um, so that's 213 out of 613. Now, we're going to look at a, a couple of references in a minute. We're going to open our Bibles. But the first one, I could tell you to look at Leviticus 13 now. Let's open our Bibles at Leviticus 13. We'll look at the opening verses of this chapter. And to set the scene, I've put some facts on the screen there. Leprosy is a disease. It's a disease that 
results from transmission uh, through contact, but not just in a COVID sense where it can only be brief, but generally prolonged, not, not immediate. However, it can have some fairly substantive impacts. It can affect the, 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 the nervous system. That's not particularly visible. But then it can result in visible uh, situations, lesions and swellings, skin complaints, and that's also evident in, in the face, the lungs and, and the eyes. And then death can result from it, but very often secondary effects, uh, secondary infections and so on. Now, what does the Bible tell us about leprosy? It tells us a great deal. And we're going to just pick up that... Uh, I'm not going to read all the detail, because the detail is, to be honest, meaningless to me, but let's call them symptoms. So, verse 1 of Leviticus 13 tells us that the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man... And, and he shall present certain symptoms, obvious, on his flesh... He, he is to be taken to the priest, Aaron, or, or, or to one of the other priests, his sons. And verse 3 tells us that the priest will inspect him. And, and he'll figure out what's going on according to a lot of things that are clear in verse 3. And then verse 4, there's a conditional if. If the symptoms are as presented by a bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh and in sight it's not deeper than the skin and the hair hasn't turned white well then there's some concern this is not good so the priest shall take this person and shut him up that he hath the plague seven days so for seven days this concern is going to be observed the man's going to be put in isolation self-containment and then what? Seven days later, the priest, verse 5, shall look on him. And if the plague's in his sight, be it a stay, the plague spread not in the skin, well, then the priest shall do the same thing again. Lock him up again. Seven more days. And verse 6, the priest shall look on him again the seventh day. So this is now the 14th day. And if there's been certain progression, the plague be dark, the plague spread not in the skin, well, then, he's okay. He's clean. There's no problem. But if it is but a scab, it is a scab, but he's to go. He's got to wash himself thoroughly. It's quite clear there. But he's clean. Now, verse 7, If the scab spread much abroad in the skin after that he has seen, been seen of the priest, he's to go and see the priest again verse 8 if the priest sees that behold the scab spreads in the skin well then he is unclean it's leprosy he's not healthy it's dangerous and, and when the plague of leprosy is in a man then he's brought unto the priest verse 9 and the priest checks and behold etc 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 it's an old leprosy in the skin of his flesh the priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall not shut him up, he, he is unclean. And at this point, we see that um, if he is unclean, well then, he is to be sent out of the community. Let's go to verse 45 and verse 46, because there's lots of conditions there, and I'm not taking you through verse by verse. But, verse 45 tells us that the leper 
in whom the plague is, well, his clothes shall be torn, shall be rent, his head shall be shaved, he'll put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean. So everybody knows his condition, visually and audibly. And all the days wherein the plague is in him, he, he is defiled, he is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Outside the camp shall his habitation be. So we've got principles here. There's very careful scrutiny of the symptoms presented, just as there are with COVID. Now, if there's concern that your lateral flow test has shown a positive, well, then you take a step, don't you? And the priest did the same thing. I'm slightly concerned, so I'm going to put him on his own in this room. And I look at him seven days later. And, and then, if I'm still concerned, I put him in the room again for seven days. And then it's plus or minus, because by then the disease has developed. And you either can see that it's not a problem, and, and he can be released after he's washed himself thoroughly, or, or he's put outside, well away, lockdown, outside, and he is dealt with accordingly to ensure that the health of the general population within the community is preserved. And so that all makes a, a great deal of sense and we can see where that goes. Now let's go, I, I think we're going to have a quick look at, at Leviticus chapter 15 as well. But we're just picking up at the beginning of that chapter. Again, we've got the Lord speaking to Moses and, and to Aaron the priest and he says, speak to the children of Israel, same principle, I'm giving you instructions Moses, you go and tell the people. This is how they are to behave. Speak to the children of Israel, say to them, when any man has a running issue out of his flesh, well, then it's quite straightforward. It's not like the complexity of, of um, leprosy. Well, then he is unclean. And, and this is his uncleanness, and it says that um, whether his flesh run with his issue, his flesh be stopped, etc., etc. So he is unclean. Verse 4. Every bed whereon he lieth, well, that is also unclean. And where he sat, well, that's unclean. And whoever he touched in bed, uh, shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and he is to be unclean until the even. So now we've got a different principle, uh, quite simple, of, of whether you're healthy or unhealthy, and the idea of washing, and washing everything that's been touched and come into contact, and at the same time, the person himself being washed. And so we can go through, and, and that principle is repeated throughout that chapter. And again, I'm not going to dwell on that, but a very simple biblical point is made. But what do we learn about all this? This is, this is all very well and good. Now, I'm going to take you to, to um, Martin Luther. So, we've been talking about Moses, which is many years before the birth of Christ. Suddenly, we're going to 1500 AD. Now, this is interesting. I, I think it's a good quote. It was reported recently in the Washington Post, the American Journal. And quite simply, the bubonic plague, a much earlier pandemic. And, and this is ripping across Europe, uh, and it has possibly a greater impact than COVID is having. Uh, and it reaches Wittenberg in Germany, where, where Luther is, and, and he says he's going to lead by example. He says, I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated. So I'm going to take myself out of general circulation so I don't catch something. 
And again, simple principle. Luther, selflessly, wanted to avoid infecting others as well as preserving his own self, causing their death through his negligence. So that goes back to the NHS warning about don't, don't cause um, or you can protect other people as well. And he saw this as something which was directly related to his Christian belief and his, the biblical teaching that we are looking at this evening. It's exactly the same words that Luther looked at then. And he said, see, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and it doesn't tempt God. Now, that's a really interesting point. Luther invoked the Bible's admonition in the book of, or the, the, the Bible's warning in the book of Leviticus that social distancing and quarantine are essential to prevent the spread of disease. Luther had learned this health principle from the law of Moses, the passage that we're reading in Leviticus. So, he said, we must do the same with this dangerous pestilence, the bubonic plague, and he wrote this. So, where did Luther get that from? Because science didn't know that at that point. In 1861, Louis Pasteur came up with something called germ theory, and, and you can read all about it on Wikipedia, and it tells you there that he, he identified that disease was spread by bacteria. That, that, that's how people fell ill. And there were diseases like malaria and cholera that could be treated because of his understanding. Whereas the magical sort of mis mystical approach to medicine before that had just been happy-go-lucky. Uh, the, the Egyptian doctors may drill a hole in your head and you may get better or, or you may die on the table. Um, the fact that they were doing it with a saw that may not have been washed or is irrelevant. Louis Pasteur came to that understanding in 1861. Yet the practices that Moses put in place with God's instruction for the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness 1500 plus years before the birth of Christ. So... The Bible, 3,500 years before the scientific community caught up with it. That's quite an astounding position. So, God's law that we believe is recorded ac accurately for us in these scriptures gave some very good medical guidance which has pretty much underpinned how governments and scientific communities instructing governments have advised us to behave during the COVID pandemic. That's very interesting. But what does the Bible say? This is where we're going now. Is it meaningful or is it just, we'll leave it there and it was very interesting, thank you. The Bible tells us some quite interesting things. This is taken from Deuteronomy chapter four, verses five to eight. Um, see, I've taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, so we've understood that principle, that you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession. So these commandments that I've given you, well, they're for you to follow, not just walking through the wilderness, but when you go into the promised land that I am talking about and that I'm going to show you. He then says, keep them, do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples around you. So who 
when they hear all these commandments, these statutes, well, they'll say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So they will see the wisdom of God in action. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? God is special. Whenever we call upon him, what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? So God's law is special. It set the Israelites apart from the nations around them. The nations around them could see the significance of that. Now, that related to something then. Moses is told something else. Chapter 7. Moses told the Israelites, or God told Moses to tell the Israelites, the Lord will take away from you all sickness, and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you know, will he inflict on you. Well, that's quite a promise. Because there's still disease. The Israelites had disease. Now, it's a promise that was conditional. Because the Israelites were meant to continually follow the law that God gave them. But continually they broke that law. And if we evoke some biblical vocabulary, that's a principle called sin. Missing the mark. Failing to do what God told you to do. And because of that, well, God's protection wasn't quite there. So there's a promise there. But God doesn't make promises for nothing. The Lord will take away from you all sickness. Now, let's go to Malachi. The last chapter of the last book in the Old Testament. So we're going to pick up at verse 2, I think, is, is a good place to start. Unto you that fear my name, so to the people who fear and respect God's God's name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall and you shall tread down the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this saith the Lord of hosts so that's interesting so for the people who respond to God's commandments and respect God, well, <clears throat> the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings and, and you'll go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. You'll be nurtured in that situation and having come to maturity, you'll go out and do God's will. You'll put down... The, 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 the tread down the wicked that the, there's going to be a process and and it's said that that will be in the day that i shall do this saith the lord of hosts so god has got a calendar and there is a date when something will happen and at that point the godly will overcome the ungodly and there will be healing in his wings interesting healing is what we're talking about public health illness pandemic but god's promised healing 
Verse 1, for context, says, Behold, the day comes that shall, that shall burn as an oven. All the proud and all that do wickedly, that's the ungodly, well, they shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. It shall leave them neither root nor branch. And interestingly, in the book of prophecy of Isaiah, God promises that he will provide a branch who will grow and take on a certain role, which we'll talk about in a minute. So that's the situation. But if we look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, so just before, they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that brought upon his name. So I'm deliberately bringing that to the fore because the Lord God knows and will remember those who responded to God's will and God's word. And verse 17 he says, They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. And then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. So that again sets the scene. And it begins to make it relevant because God's talked about healing. And that healing is available to those who are godly and respond to his word. So I'm already beginning to think about, well, where do I want to put myself in that day? Because that phrase is used again in verse 17. It has some meaning. Now... That question, in that day, well, when will that day be? That's a question that is asked of Jesus in the New Testament. And we're going to Luke chapter 21 now. Well, the, the, the context comes in verses 5 and 6, because Jesus is talking about a certain situation. As some, of, some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, Jesus said, this this temple that you can see, these things which you can see, behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that's actually quite a, a stunning statement. It, it, it was a political and, and a religious building at this point, the temple of Herod in Jerusalem. And their reaction is in verse 7. They asked him, saying, Master, when shall these things be? Or, Teacher, when will this happen? So... That explains the, the slide heading. And Jesus gives some interesting responses. Verse 10. Then he says to his disciples, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights and great, great signs shall there be from heaven. So the... These symptoms or, or, or occurrences will herald the time when the Lord Jesus Christ is to return. Now, he goes on to say, but, but at this point you'll be persecuted for the being godly. Now, that makes me put COVID into a different context. Because then I see it as something that Jesus talked about which would set the scene for the events that will result in 
that day that is mentioned in Malachi, and I'm going to say that that is when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. So let's look down the passage. We're going to look at chapter 25, uh, at verses 25 and 6. So there we see that there shall be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. Now that could mean, biblical language could mean literally sun, moon and stars, or it could mean figuratively amongst the nations in the world around us. And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, concern, confusion, and the sea and the waves roaring. So quite clearly, upon the earth, distress of nations. Well, COVID has caused just that, hasn't it? The concern, the fact that I'm going to stop everybody coming into my country. Australia have done that very well. New Zealand the same. Uh, and then others saying, well, I'm not going to let you leave this country. So global travel has been hugely, hugely impacted. Men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That's meaningful, isn't it? So we've had pestilences, heralding the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, distress in the nations, men's hearts failing them for fear, and then we start to think about what I said at the beginning about long COVID and the anxiety and the confusion that can come from that. The fact that so many people have been so badly affected but still live, that continues to cause this distress. And so we look at verses 27 and 28. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draws nigh. So that is that day. So then, where do we go? I think we have to say, well, what does redemption look like? What does salvation, what's God talking about? Healing coming in his wings. Well, you can go away and read Isaiah 35. It's a phenomenal chapter. And it talks about, it prophesies what the kingdom of God will be like. And fundamental to that chapter, it makes it clear. There's a plea that strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who've got an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Then... The eye of the blind, it'll be opened. The ears of the deaf and stopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So we've talked about a world of sickness and disease. And we talked about it being a pandemic, filling the world. Now we're talking about being the world being full of people who are healthy, mentally and physically. And then right at the end of that chapter, the redeemed shall walk there. Those who are looking for the return of Christ. Those who have been following the commandments of God. Just as the Israelites were asked to follow the commandments of God in the wilderness and when they went into the promised land. And the ransomed of the Lord, those who have been saved, bought from a certain death. 
Well, they shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So that's a world picture that isn't what I see today. I look back to the promise that Moses made to the Israelites that God would take all the diseases of the Egyptians away but they broke their promise and they didn't keep their commands and God's promise is still there for those who respond today the question is do we want to see what God expects of us and make a response or do we just want to say no we'll leave it I'll follow the government guidance and to be honest, if we're going to look to the UK government for guidance, I think the scriptures provide a better statement. I'll leave you with words from Revelation chapter 21. And I think that we can sit and read those. And that's a description of what it will be like in the day of the Lord. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen